Chapter Thirteen of the Science of Being Great by Wallace D. Wattles. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Thought. Greatness is only attained by the constant thinking of great thoughts. No man can become great in outward personality until he is great internally, and no man can be great internally until he thinks. No amount of education, reading, or study can make you great without thought. But thought can make you great with every little study. There are altogether too many people who are trying to make something of themselves by reading books without thinking. All such will fail. You are not mentally developed by what you read, but by what you think about what you read. Thinking is the hardest and most exhausting of all labor, and hence many people shrink from it. God has so formed us that we are continuously impelled to thought. We must either think or engage in some activity to escape thought. The headlong, continuous chase for pleasure in which most people spend all their leisure time is only an effort to escape thought. If they are alone, or if they have nothing amusing to take their attention, as a novel to read or a show to see, they must think. And to escape from thinking, they resort to novels, shows, and all the endless devices of the purveyors of amusement. Most people spend the greater part of their leisure time running away from thought, hence they are what they are. We never move forward until we begin to think. Read less and think more. Read about great things and think about great questions and issues. We have at the present time few really great figures in the political life of our country. Our politicians are a petty lot. There is no Lincoln, no Webster, no Clay, no Calhoun, no Jackson. Why? Because our present statesmen deal only with sordid and petty issues, questions of dollars and cents, of expediency and party success, of material prosperity without regard to ethical right. Thinking along these lines does not call forth great souls. The statesmen of Lincoln's time and previous times dealt with questions of eternal truth, of human rights and justice. Men thought upon great themes. They thought great thoughts, and they became great men. Thinking, not mere knowledge or information, makes personality. Thinking is growth. You cannot think without growing. Every thought engenders. Chapter 3 of The Art of Money Getting. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jill Preston. The Art of Money Getting by P.T. Barnum. Chapter 3 Avoid Debt. Young men starting in life should avoid running into debt. There is scarcely anything that drags a person down like debt. It is a slavish position to get in. Yet we find many a young man, hardly out of his teens, running in debt. He meets a chum and says, Look at this. I have got trusted for a new suit of clothes. He seems to look upon the clothes as so much given to him. Well, it frequently is so. But if he succeeds in pain and then gets trusted again, he is adopting a habit which will keep him in poverty through life. Debt robs a man of his self-respect and makes him almost despise himself, grunting and groaning and working for what he has eaten up or worn out, 
and now when he is called upon to pay up, he has nothing to show for his money. This is properly termed working for a dead horse. I do not speak of merchants buying and selling on credit or of those who buy on credit in order to turn the purchase to a profit. The old Quaker said to his farmer's son, John, never get trusted, but if thee gets trusted for anything, let it be for manure, because that will help thee pay it back again. Mr. Beecher advised young men to get in debt if they could to a small amount in the purchase of land in the country districts. If a young man, he says, will only get in debt for some land and then get married, these two things will keep him straight, or nothing will. This may be safe to a limited extent, but getting in debt for what you eat and drink and wear is to be avoided. Some families have a foolish habit of getting credit at the stores and thus frequently purchase many things which might have been dispensed with. It is all very well to say, I have got trusted for 60 days, and if I don't have the money, the creditor will think nothing about it. Chapter 16 of The Science of Being Great by Wallace D. Wattles This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Some further explanations. We go back here to the matter of the point of view, for, besides being vitally important, it is the one that is likely to give the student the most trouble. We have been trained, partly by mistaken religious teachers, to look upon the world as being like a wrecked ship, storm-driven upon a rocky coast. Utter destruction is inevitable at the end, and the most that can be done is to rescue, perhaps, a few of the crew. This view teaches us to consider the world as essentially bad and growing worse, and to believe that existing discord and inharmoniousness must continue and intensify until the end. It robs us of hope for society, government and humanity, and gives us a decreasing outlook and contracting mind. This is all wrong. The world is not racket. It is like a magnificent steamer with the engines in place and the machinery in perfect order. The bunkers are full of coal and the ship is amply provisioned for the crews. There is no lack of any good thing. Every provision omniscience could devise has been made for the safety, comfort and happiness of the crew. The steamer is out on the high seas, tacking hither and thither, because no one has yet learned the right course to steer. We are learning to steer, and in due time will come grandly to the harbor of perfect harmony. The world is good and growing better. Existing discords and inharmoniousness are but the pitching of the ship incidental to our own imperfect steering. They will all be removed in due time. This view gives us an increasing outlook and an expanding mind. It enables us to think largely of society and of ourselves, and to do things in a great way. Furthermore, we see that nothing can be wrong with such a world or with any part of it, including our own affairs. If it is all moving on toward completion, then it is not going wrong. And as our own personal affairs are a part of the whole, they are not going wrong. You and all that you are concerned with are moving on toward completeness. Nothing can check this forward movement but yourself, and you can only check it by assuming a mental attitude that is at cross-purposes with the mind of God. You have nothing to keep right but yourself. If you keep yourself right, nothing can possibly go wrong with you, and you can have nothing to fear. Yo, pay that scope on the rise, let me consult for a fee every time. 
You see the logo, it's on the billboard. Notice me now. Look at you, how you say I'm doing wrong, smoothly making, moving songs, doing what I gotta do. Oh, oh, yo, just cause I wouldn't work with you, you might have a little attitude. Could care less if you think I'm rude. Haters can't walk up in my shoes. You salty dog, stop dropping clues. I've been a man. How you let someone else's story mess up your plan? Smoothly, been the man. Who is him? On them, repping automated business plans. Off the top, been ready, chop about. Split tack L. Need advice from me, then it's time to pay the fee. If you need advice from me, then it's time to pay the fee. It's time to pay the fee. Time to, time to pay the fee. Time to pay the fee. Time to pay the fee, it's just time to pay the fee, yeah. Time to pay the fee, hey, hey, time to pay the fee, hey, hey, time to pay the fee, hey, hey, time to pay the fee, hey, time to pay the fee, it's just time to pay the fee, it's just time to pay the fee, time to time to pay the fee. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, and to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Moira Fogarty. The Art of War by Sun Tzu. Translated by Lionel Giles. Part 12. The Attack by Fire. Sun Tzu said, There are five ways of attacking with fire. The first is to burn soldiers in their camp. The second is to burn stores. The third is to burn baggage trains. The fourth is to burn arsenals and magazines. The fifth is to hurl dropping fire amongst the enemy. In order to carry out an attack, we must have means available. The material for raising fire should always be kept in readiness. There is a proper season for making attacks with fire, and special days for starting a conflagration. The proper season is when the weather is very dry, the special days are those when the moon is in the constellations of the sea, the wall, the wing, or the crossbar, for these four are all days of rising wind. In attacking with fire, one should be prepared to meet five possible developments. One, when fire breaks out inside to enemy's camp, respond at once with an attack from without. Two, if there is an outbreak of fire, but the enemy's soldiers remain quiet, bide your time and do not attack. 3. When the force of the flames has reached its height, follow it up with an attack, if that is practicable. If not, stay where you are. 4. If it is possible to make an assault with fire from without, do not wait for it to break out within, but deliver your attack at a favorable moment. 5. When you start a fire, be to windward of it. Do not attack from the leeward. A wind that rises in the daytime lasts long, but a night breeze soon falls. In every army, the five developments connected with fire must be known, the movements of the stars calculated, and a watch kept for the proper days. Hence, those who use fire as an aid to the attack show intelligence. Those who use water as an aid to the attack gain an accession of strength. By means of water, an enemy may be intercepted, but not robbed of all his belongings. Part 1, Chapter 5 of the Kama Sutra. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain, and is read by Mark Smith of Simpsonville, South Carolina. 
The Kama Sutra of Vatsyayana by Vatsyayana Part 1, Chapter 5 About the kinds of women resorted to by the citizens and of friends and messengers. When Kama is practiced by men of the four castes, according to the rules of the Holy Writ, that is, by lawful marriage, with virgins of their own caste, it then becomes a mean of acquiring lawful progeny and good fame, and it is not also opposed to the customs of the world. On the contrary, the practice of Kama with women of the higher castes, and with those previously enjoyed by others, even though they be of the same caste, is prohibited. But the practice of Kama with women of the lower castes, with women excommunicated from their own caste, with public women, and with women twice married, is neither enjoined nor prohibited. The object of practicing Kama with such women is pleasure only. Footnote. This term does not apply to a widow, but to a woman who had probably left her husband, and is living with some other person as a married woman, maritalement, as they say in France. And a footnote. Naikas, therefore, are of three kinds, that is, maids, women twice married, and public women. Footnote. Any woman fit to be enjoyed without sin. The object of the enjoyment of women is twofold, that is, pleasure and progeny. Any woman who can be enjoyed without sin for the purposes of accomplishing either the one or the other of these two objects is a naika. The fourth kind of naika, which Vetsya admits further on, is neither enjoyed for pleasure or for progeny, but merely for accomplishing some special purpose in hand. The word naika is retained as a technical term throughout. And a footnote. Gonakaputra has expressed an opinion that there is a fourth kind of naika, that is, a woman who is resorted to on some special occasion, even though she be previously married to another. These special occasions are when a man thinks thus. A. This woman is self-willed and has been previously enjoyed by many others besides washing no butter rim will fix pump additive is on my Tim's coconut oil strain with the chef I'm removed a chance of the stems hit the corner might bend the rim oh man vehicles is what I can't stand rather be driven or at least a sprinter van executing plans and I'm never popping Zans might melt down this can to play white gold the Brush plates. Haters don't understand, not in the slightest sort of pain. Wait, no need to even continue. Find a deal on these with the Linux. And I be in it always to win it. My encounter split it thin, vimic cloud processors with few limits. Delivery dropped at the door, but the robot blow might go. Who is it? Torn fabric, still might rip it. CPU crypto with the computer pimping. Never slipping, pay attention. You didn't listen, cause there's nothing I forgot to mention. Check the M2 money supply. 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 Axel, 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 Axel,
standard deviation from the cop report? What's the standard deviation from the cop report? What's the standard deviation from the cop report? Get the standard deviation from the cop report. 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 Get the standard deviation. Get the standard deviation. Get the standard deviation. Gotta stay up in cash. Forex tripping, gotta stay up in cash. I got the forex tripping, gotta stay up in cash. The car reporter in the beacon sister's point is on my screen. Why he making stuff about? Don't know, maybe it's Maybelline. I wouldn't trade my team, but I dismantle yours. Smooth, please, so fly, dog. I'm a sore vertical farm grass from the counties. That's poor. Oh, I gotta get more. Be the beast, send them door to door. Shoot 100 times, cause I'm down to score. So I stay up in the game, so I'm just gonna shoot some more. I cannot go away, even though it's not a really smart time to trade. Once I get the Credit line going in the previous feeling that I mentioned must be waived And you don't even really know how to participate You just be out on the sidelines and acting late I stacking game, break the flow, keeping black and green on the P&Ls Been up three hours before the bill Time and payments for the paydex, never been up in a cell I'm sipping on Propel that I designed all myself I see the stuff that I made and it's growing on the play market shelf I'm for the well deviation from the cop report? What's the standard deviation from the cop report? What's the standard deviation from the cop report? Get the standard deviation from the cop. Get it, get the standard deviation from the cop report. 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 Get the standard deviation. Get the standard deviation. What? Get the standard deviation. Get the standard deviation. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information and to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Moira Fogarty. The Art of War by Sun Tzu. Translated by Lionel Giles. Part 7. Maneuvering. Sun Tzu said, In war, the general receives his commands from the sovereign. Having collected an army and concentrated his forces, he must blend and harmonize the different elements thereof before pitching his camp. After that comes tactical maneuvering, than which there is nothing more difficult. The difficulty of tactical maneuvering consists in turning the devious into the direct, and misfortune into gain. Thus, to take a long and circuitous route, after enticing the enemy out of the way, and those starting after him, to contrive to reach the goal before him shows knowledge of the artifice of deviation. Maneuvering with an army is advantageous, with an undisciplined multitude most dangerous. If you set a fully equipped army in march in order to snatch an advantage, the chances are that you will be too late. On the other hand, to detach a flying column for the purpose involves the sacrifice of its baggage and stores. 
Thus, if you order your men to roll up their buff coats and make forced marches without halting day or night, covering double the usual distance at a stretch, doing a hundred li in order to rest an advantage, the leaders of all your three divisions will fall into the hands of the enemy. The stronger men will be in front, the jaded ones will fall behind, and on this plan only one-tenth of your army will reach its destination. If you march fifty li in order to outmaneuver the enemy, you will lose the leader of your first division, and only half your force will reach the goal. If you march thirty li with the same object, two-thirds of your army will arrive. We may take it then that an army without its baggage train is lost. Without provisions, it is lost. Without bases of supply, it is lost. We cannot enter into alliances until we are acquainted with the designs of our neighbors. We are not fit to lead an army on the march unless we are familiar with the face of the country, its mountains and forests, its pitfalls and precipices, its marshes and swamps. We shall be unable to turn natural advantage to account unless we may... Chapter 17 of The Science of Being Great by Wallace D. Wattles This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. More about thought give place here to some further consideration of thought you will never become great until your own thoughts make you great and therefore it is of the first importance that you should think you will never do great things in the external world until you think great things in the internal world and you will never think great things until you think about truth about the verities to think great things you must be absolutely sincere and to be sincere you must know that your intentions are right. Insincere or false thinking is never great, however logical and brilliant it may be. The first and most important step is to seek the truth about human relations, to know what you ought to be to other men, and what they ought to be to you. This brings you back to the search of a right viewpoint. You should study organic and social evolution. Read Darwin and Walter Thomas Mills, and when you read, think. Think the whole matter over until you see the world of things and men in the right way. Think about what God is doing until you see what He is doing. Your next step is to think yourself into the right personal attitude. Your viewpoint tells you what the right attitude is, and obedience to the soul puts you into it. It is only by making a complete consecration of yourself to the highest it is within you that you can attain to sincere thinking. So long as you know you are selfish in your aims, or dishonest or crooked in any way in your intentions or practices, your thinking will be false, and your thoughts will have no power. Think about the way you are doing things, about all your intentions, purposes and practices, until you know that they are right. The fact of his own complete unity with God is one that no person can grasp without deep and sustained thinking. Anyone can accept the proposition in a superficial way, but to feel and realize a vital comprehension of it is another matter. It is easy to think of going outside of yourself to meet God, but it is not easy to think of going inside yourself to meet God. But God is there, and in the Holy of Holies of your own soul, you may meet Him face to face. It is a tremendous thing, this fact that all you need is already within you that you do not have to consider how to get the power to do what you want to do or to make chapter four of the science of being great by wallace d wattles this librivox recording is in the public domain the mind of god 
There is a cosmic intelligence that is in all things and through all things. This is the one real substance. From it all things proceed. It is intelligent substance or mind stuff. It is God. Where there is no substance there can be no intelligence. For where there is no substance there is nothing. Where there is thought there must be a substance which thinks. Thought cannot be a function. For function is motion and it is unconceivable that mere motion should think. Thought cannot be vibration, for vibration is motion, and that motion should be intelligent is not thinkable. Motion is nothing but the moving of substance. If there be intelligence shown, it must be in the substance and not in the motion. Thought cannot be the result of motions in the brain. If thought is in the brain, it must be in the brain's substance and not in the motions which brain substance makes. But thought is not in the brain substance, for brain substance, without life, is quite unintelligent and dead. Thought is in the life principle that animates the brain, in the spirit substance, which is the real man. The brain does not think, the man thinks and expresses his thought through the brain. There is a spirit substance that thinks. Just as the spirit substance of man permeates his body, and thinks and knows in the body, so the original spirit substance, God, permeates all nature and thinks and knows in nature. Nature is as intelligent as man, and knows more than man. Nature knows all things. The all mind has been in touch with all things from the beginning, and it contains all knowledge. Man's experience covers a few things, and these things man knows. But God's experience covers all the things that have happened since the creation from the wreck of a planet or the passing of a comet to the fall of a sparrow. All that is and all that has been are present in the intelligence that is wrapped about us and enfolds us and presses upon us from every side. All the encyclopedias men have written are but trivial affairs compared to the vast knowledge held by the mind in which men live, move and have their being. The truth men perceive by inspiration are thoughts held in this mind. If they Chapter Five of the Science of Being Great by Wallace D. Wattles. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Preparation. Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. If you become like God, you can read His thoughts, and if you do not, you will find the inspirational perception of truth impossible. You can never become a great man or woman until you have overcome anxiety, worry, and fear. It is impossible for an anxious man, a worried one, or a fearful one to perceive the truth. All things are distorted and thrown out of their proper relations by such mental states, and those who are in them cannot read the thoughts of God. If you are poor, or if you are anxious about business and financial matters, you are recommended to study carefully the first volume of this series, The Science of Getting Rich. That will present to you a solution for your problems of this nature. No matter how large or how complicated they may seem to be, there is not the least cause for worry about financial affairs. Every person who lives to do so may rise for want, have only means, and become rich. The same source upon which you propose to draw for mental upholding and spiritual power is at your service for the supply of all your material wants. Study this truth until it is fixed in your thoughts and until anxiety is banished from your 
have strength sufficient for all that you wish to do. That intelligence that stands ready to give you wealth and mental and spiritual power will rejoice to give you health also. Perfect health is yours for the asking. If you will only obey the simple laws of life and live right, conquer ill health and cast out fear. But it is not enough to rise above financial and physical anxiety and worry. You must rise above moral evil too as well. Sound your inner consciousness now for the motives that actuate you and make sure they are right. You must cast out lust and cease to be ruled by appetite and you must begin to govern appetite. You must eat only to satisfy hunger, never for gluttonous pleasure. And in all things you must make the flesh obey the spirit. You must lay aside greed, have no unworthy motive in your desire to become rich. The Meditations of Marcus Aurelius by Marcus Aurelius Antoninus Translated by George Long This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org Section 10 Wilt thou then, my soul, never be good and simple and one and naked, more manifest than the body which surrounds thee? Wilt thou never enjoy an affectionate and contented disposition? Wilt thou never be full and without a want of any kind, longing for nothing more nor desiring anything, either animate or inanimate, for the enjoyment of pleasures, nor yet desiring time wherein thou shalt have longer enjoyment or place or pleasant climate or society of men with whom thou mayest live in harmony? But wilt thou be satisfied with thy present condition and pleased with all that is about thee? And wilt thou convince thyself that thou hast everything and that it comes from the gods, that everything is well for thee and will be well whatever shall please them, and whatever they shall give for the conservation of perfect living being, the good and just and beautiful, which generates and holds together all things, and contains and embraces all things which are dissolved for the production of other like things? Wilt thou never be such that thou shalt so dwell in community with gods and men as neither to find fault with them at all, nor to be condemned by them? 2. Observe what thy nature requires, so far as thou art governed by nature only, then do it and accept it. If thy nature, so far as thou art a living being, shall not be made worse by it, and next thou must observe what thy nature requires, so far as thou art a living being, and all this thou mayest allow thyself, if thy nature, so far as thou art a rational animal, shall not be made worse by it. The rational animal is consequently also a political animal. Use these rules then, and trouble thyself about nothing else. 3. Everything which happens, either happens in such wise as thou art formed by nature to bear it, or as thou art not formed by nature to bear it. If then it happens to thee in such a way as thou art formed by nature to bear it, do not complain, but bear it as thou art formed by nature to bear it. But if it happens, the boo jump. I got 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 the boo jump. I 
got the food journal. I got the food journal. I got the food journal, baby. Got the food journal. I got the food journal, baby. Uh. Got the food journal. I got the food okay. journal, baby. Got the food journal. I got the food journal, baby. Got the food journal. I'm just trying to explain how I, I feel. Be on a mission for the meal, swimming through the money like a catfish. But stay fresh, working on skills. Mind on, let's get it and let's go back. Heart is never on my sleeve, I'm a cold steel. Spitting exquisite, even doubt is gonna feel. So pay attention, they be slipping. Like they stepped on banana peels And you know the drill I'm from Ben Hill Yeah, the street right by the park Come a long way when I stay by Clark You think you gonna start But I did make you finish Look at my flow, bro Can't you tell that we win? I'm still feeling like I should do more granted And I'm on the age where It's time for me to make a pension Oh my goodness, with so much precision I just be going Ben Hill And you know my eyes white like it's snowing And I'm chain plated golden That's just how I do it more free, yo And SBO, that be frozen Oh, it's cold, steady rapping for the foe How did this some gas all up on the stove Hear the hater in the nose, I suppose I'ma grow, I'ma glow like this Smoothly, might spray nice kicks I be freestyling, sip, trunk and weed Down the Leo, cost double low One seven for the six, smoothly Going in, make you know, try me 52 crossbone, leave you with that Suicide, Mr. Fly, FF, Impact, Tech I, doing KML sprints on the fly Scrum swagging, pimping computers Aid up and smoothly, barely ever in this dress With the purr, smoothly, tell me what it's worth, I'm a jerk Coming around on the beat, go berserk Freestyling all the time, every time when I go okay. It's been here from okay. the F.O. Okay. You are, sitting in a new car I'm in another level, far from where you are That's how I gotta do it smoothly So fluid, rest and fluid, back it, pop your head Through the music, oh my goodness, just like make it I'ma do it, 16-bit recording, 11-25pm Ice blowing, play the chain that I made Self do DIY, dog, oh my goodness, see him shine Yeah, make it blind, make it, make it rip your eyes I got him, guy from the SWAT I got a food jump. I got a food jump. Okay. I got a food jump. And you know that. I got the food jump. And you know that. I got the food jump. And you know that. I got the food jump. And you know that. I got the food jump. And you know that. I got the food jump. And you know that. I got the food jump. And you know that. I got the food journal, I got the food journal, I got the food journal, baby, got the food journal, I got the food journal, baby, got the food journal, I got the food journal, baby, got the food journal, I got the food journal, baby, got the food journal, I got the food journal, I got the food journal, okay, I got the food journal, the food journal, the food journal, F triple Chapter 7 of Discourses on the First Decade of Titus Livius, Book 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jennifer Painter. Discourses on the First Decade of Titus Livius, Book 2 by Niccolo Machiavelli. Translated by Ninian Hill Thompson. Chapter 7 Of the quantity of land assigned by the Romans to each colonist. It would, I think, be difficult to fix with certainty how much land the Romans allotted to each colonist, for my belief is that they gave more or less according to the character.
character of the country to which they sent them. We may, however, be sure that in every instance, and to whatever country they were sent, the quantity of land assigned was not very large. First, because these colonists being sent to guard the newly acquired country, by giving little land, it became possible to send more men. And second, because, as the Romans lived frugally at home, it is unreasonable to suppose that they should wish their countrymen to be too well off abroad. And Titus Livius tells us that on the capture of Bay, the Romans sent thither a colony, allotting to each colonist three hugera and seven unciae of land, which, according to our measurement, would be something under two acres. Besides the above reasons, the Romans may likely enough have thought that it was not so much the quantity of the land allotted as its careful cultivation that would make it suffice. It is very necessary, however, that every colony should have a common pasturage where all may send their cattle to graze, as well as woods where they may cut fuel, for without such conveniences no colony can maintain itself. End of chapter 7「
you must lay aside greed have no unworthy motive in your desire to become rich chapter one of the art of money getting this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by jill preston the art of money getting by p t barnum chapter one don't mistake your vocation the safest plan and the one most sure of success for the young man starting in life is to select the vocation which is most congenial to his tastes parents and guardians are often quite too negligent in regard to this it's very common for a father to say for example I have five boys I will make Billy a clergyman John a lawyer Tom a doctor and Dick a farmer he then goes into town and looks about to see what he will do with Sammy he returns home and says Sammy I see watchmaking is a nice genteel business I think I will make you a goldsmith he does this regardless of Sam's natural inclinations or genius we are all no doubt born for a wise purpose there is as much diversity in our brains as in our countenances some are born natural mechanics while some have great aversion to machinery let a dozen boys of ten years get together and you will soon observe two or three are whittling out some ingenious device working with locks or complicated machinery when they were but five years old their father could find no toy to please them like a puzzle they are natural mechanics but the other eight or nine boys have different aptitudes I belong to the latter class I never had the slightest love for mechanism on the contrary I have a sort of abhorrence for complicated machinery I never had ingenuity enough to whittle a cider tap so it would not leak I never could make a pen that I could write with or understand the principle of a steam engine if a man was to take such a boy as I was and attempt to make a watchmaker of him the boy might after an apprenticeship of five or seven years be able to take apart and put together a watch but all through life he would be working uphill and seizing every chapter five of the science of being great by Wallace D. Wattles this LibriVox recording is in the public domain preparation draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you if you become like God you can read his thoughts and if you do not you will find the inspirational perception of truth impossible you can never become a great man or woman until you have overcome anxiety worry and fear it is impossible for an anxious man a worried one or a fearful one to perceive truth all things are distorted and thrown out of their proper relations by such mental states and those who are in them cannot read the thoughts of God if you are poor or if you are anxious about business or financial matters you are recommended to study carefully the first volume of this series the science of getting rich that will present to you a solution for your problems of this nature no matter how large or how complicated they may seem to be there is not the least cause for worry about financial affairs every person who wills to do so may rise above want have all he needs and become rich the same 
source upon which you propose to draw for mental unfolding and spiritual power is at your service for the supply of all your material wants. Study this truth until it is fixed in your thoughts and until anxiety is banished from your mind. Enter the certain way which leads to material riches. Again, if you are anxious or worried about your health, realize it is possible for you to attain perfect health so that you may have strength sufficient for all that you wish to do and more. That intelligence that stands ready to give you wealth and mental and spiritual power will rejoice to give you health also. Perfect health is yours for the asking, if you will only obey the simple laws of life and live aright. Conquer ill health and cast out fear. But it is not enough to rise above financial and physical anxiety and worry. You must rise above moral evil-doing as well. Sound your inner consciousness now for the motives that actuate you and make sure they are right. You must cast out lust and cease to be ruled by appetite, and you must begin to govern appetite. You must eat only to satisfy hunger, never for gluttonous pleasure. And in all things you must make the flesh obey the spirit. You must lay aside greed, have no unworthy motive in your desire to become rich. Introduction and Part 1, Chapter 1 of The Kama Sutra of Vatsyayana by Vatsyayana. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording is by Mark Smith of Simpsonville, South Carolina. The Kama Sutra of Vatsyayana. Translated from the Sanskrit in seven parts with preface, introduction, and concluding remarks. By Vatsyayana. Translated by Richard Burton, Bhagavanlao Indrajit, and Shivaram Parashuram Bide. Note to the listener. As I am a native English speaker, I am going to attempt to pronounce the Indian names sprinkled throughout this text in a manner consistent with the normal English pronunciations of such combinations of letters. To people who actually know how such Indian names ought to be pronounced, I am sure I'm going to wound their sensibilities, and so I offer my apologies in advance. Introduction It may be interesting to some persons to learn how it came about that Vatsyayana was first brought to light and translated into the English language. It happened thus. While translating with the pundits the Anunga Runga, or the Stage of Love, reference was frequently found to be made to one Vetsya. The sage Vetsya was of this opinion, or of that opinion. The sage Vetsya said this, and so on. Naturally, questions were asked who the sage was, and the pundits replied that Vetsya was the author of the standard work on love in Sanskrit literature, that no Sanskrit library was complete without his work and that it was most difficult now to obtain in its entire state. The copy of the manuscript obtained in Bombay was defective, and so the pundits wrote to Benares, Calcutta, and Jaipur for copies of the manuscript from the Sanskrit libraries in those places. Copies having been obtained, they were then compared with each other, and with the aid of a commentary called Jaya Mangla, a revised copy of the entire manuscript was prepared. And from this copy, the English translation was made. The following is the certificate of the chief pundit. The accompanying manuscript is corrected by me after comparing four different copies of the work. 
I credit line. Man, I hate when I gotta build a credit line. Man, I hate when I gotta build a credit line. Man, I hate when I gotta build a credit line. Man, I hate when I gotta build a credit line. Man, I hate when I gotta build a credit line. Three cap bucket, make it fast and go trust it. Anybody try to go play, go get busted. Rather converse over real subjects. Used to dream eating margarita beans in front of publics. Oh. Yo, go so low so I get that fast, but still gotta build my team so that I can stay. Gotta wake up and I do it every day. Make a to-do list, print out with the cron. Whipping up great Poupon 6 hours after dawn. 20k unit for bricks, trade on, keeping more green than the lawn. I can rent a drop top anytime I want at leisure. Turn a raspberry pie into a movie theater. You don't like me, I don't like it either. Either striking markers when they lukewarm or keep it hot. Kinda like it's a new heater, making tixes into liters, mixing up new tropics and some beakers. Where's the sounds coming from your speakers? Man, I hate waiting, Hitting haters with the ether. Man, I hate waiting, but I got it. Man, I hate waiting, gotta build a credit line. Man, I hate waiting, gotta build a credit line. Man, I hate waiting, gotta build a credit line. Three kick the bucket, make it fast, then go trust it. Anybody try to go and play, go get busted. Rather converse over real subjects. Used to dream eating margarita wins in front of publics. Oh. Part 3 of Chapter 11 of Book 1 of The Wealth of Nations. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Stephen Escalera. The Wealth of Nations by Adam Smith. Part 3 of Chapter 11 of Book 1 of The Rent of Land. Digression concerning the variations in the value of silver during the course of the four last centuries. First period. In 1350, and for some time before, the average price of the quarter of wheat in England seems not to have been estimated lower than four ounces of silver, tower weight, equal to about twenty shillings of our present money. From this price it seems to have fallen gradually to two ounces of silver, equal to about ten shillings of our present money, the price at which we find it estimated in the beginning of the sixteenth century, and at which it seems to have continued to be estimated till about 1570. In 1350, being the twenty-fifth of Edward III, was enacted what is called the Statute of Laborers. In the preamble, it complains much of the insolence of servants who endeavored to raise their wages upon their masters. It therefore ordains that all servants and laborers should, for the future, be contented with the same wages and liveries. Liveries in those times signified not only clothes, but provisions, which they had been accustomed to receive in the twentieth year of the king and the four preceding years. That, upon this account, their livery wheat should nowhere be estimated higher than ten pence a bushel, and that it should always be in the option of the master to deliver them either the wheat or the money. Ten pence a bushel, therefore, had, in the twenty-fifth of Edward III, been reckoned to a very moderate price of wheat, since it required a particular statute to oblige servants to accept of it in exchange for their usual livery of provisions and it had been reckoned a reasonable price ten years before that, or in the sixteenth year of the king, the term to which the statute refers. But in the sixteenth year of Edward III, ten pence contained about half an ounce of silver, tower weight, and was nearly equal to half a crown of our present money. 
four ounces of silver, tower weight, therefore, equal to six shillings and eight pence of the money of those times, and to near twenty shillings of that of the present, must have been reckoned a moderate price for the quarter of eight bushels. This statute is surely a better evidence of what was reckoned, in those times, a moderate price of grain. Chapter 3 of The Art of Money Getting This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jill Preston The Art of Money Getting by P.T. Barnum Chapter 3 Avoid Debt Young men starting in life should avoid running into debt. There is scarcely anything that drags a person down like debt. It is a slavish position to get in, yet we find many a young man, hardly out of his teens, running in debt. He meets a chum and says, Look at this. I have got trusted for a new suit of clothes. He seems to look upon the clothes as so much given to him. Well, it frequently is so, but if he succeeds in pain and then gets trusted again, he is adopting a habit which will keep him in poverty through life. Debt robs a man of his self-respect and makes him almost despise himself, grunting and groaning and working for what he has eaten up or worn out, and now when he is called upon to pay up, he has nothing to show for his money. This is properly termed working for a dead horse. I do not speak of merchants buying and selling on credit or of those who buy on credit in order to turn the purchase to a profit. The old Quaker said to his farmer's son, John, never get trusted, but if thee gets trusted for anything, let it be for manure, because that will help thee pay it back again. Mr. Beecher advised young men to get in debt if they could to a small amount in the purchase of land in the country districts. If a young man, he says, will only get in debt for some land and then get married, these two things will keep him straight, or nothing will. This may be safe to a limited extent, but getting in debt for what you eat and drink and wear is to be avoided. Some families have a foolish habit of getting credit at the stores and thus frequently purchase many things which might have been dispensed with. It is all very well to say, I have got trusted for 60 days, and if I don't have the money, the creditor will think nothing about it. Reducing all of distractions, spinning an operator system up exquisite fashion. 
Making compound transactions could care less if a naysayer reaction. Chillin' be less a scrum spirit, swag on poop one, two, keyboard bashing. Never lacking SSH back in via Docker containers on my CLI. Doing hard pipe through the XR, smoothly designing, play the jewelry through a contact lens, put less on the end. Cause the women through the space bar, call the Q1 liners on the. Okay. FC increase my trade line, now I ride. Themers win ever. Then the personal oh, assistant CPU pimping get computers to bring oh, me what I need. Oh, how I do oh, it, dog? Oh, I read 24 7, 360 degrees.